Welcome to Doing Your Business with Matt Hartman, a podcast about profitable businesses. This week, we're talking with Eric Chang from Hellman Chang. If you haven't heard part one yet, you should go back and listen to that. Eric talks about starting the company and building the brand. In this episode, Eric talks about getting the Four Seasons as his first customer, getting a bank loan, the tools he uses to build handcrafted furniture, and about sustainability. Let's listen. We won a Best of Year Award with Interdesign Magazine, and they had this wonderful ceremony at the Guggenheim Museum. That was the 24th of time, and, and we, we go on stage and we accept this award, and Cindy Allen, who's the editor-in-chief of Interdesign Magazine, she hands me the award, and they're taking photos, she leans and she says, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and I was like, who are you? I don't know anybody in the industry. I was 24, and baby-faced, and um, that was our formal introduction to the industry, and the piece got published, and a week after it got published, we got a call from the Four Seasons Hotel. They said, we love this piece. You can redesign it and build it for us as a restaurant bar table. We need 14 for the new hotel in Seattle. And, oh, we were on your website. We love your coffee table. We need two for the presidential suite. So the Four Seasons was our actual first client. That was summer 2007, but, you know, they hadn't really broken ground yet. We really just started to get the contract moving. Um, and our second or third client at the end of 2007 was the set designers of Gossip Girl and, and, uh, and Sex and the City. Um, so, 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 uh, yeah. so curious about the Four Seasons. Yeah. Um, so they come to you. You've now made how many pieces of furniture up until that point? Max a hundred. Five. five. No, 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 no. Okay. This is, this is your first. Yeah, this is so. So you made five showroom sales. Yeah, five pieces of furniture, and the four seasons says make how many? Uh, fifteen, sixteen, something like that. So, were you equipped to be able to manufacture? Not that? at all. Not at all. We were we were in our Dan's basement apartment on the Upper East Side, fielding this phone call from some executive at the Four Seasons. We're like, oh, yeah, of course we could take care of that for you. You know, we hang up the phone, we high-five, and then we're like, how the fuck are we going to do this? So if it's not a venture-backed business, you, mm-hmm. you and Dan put some of your own money in before. Yeah. Um, you had told me that, there, that, that you've entertained the idea of getting a loan. Yes. What's that process been like? It's been terrible. <laughs> Awful. Th- those are the times when I wish I had uh, developed a little app that <laughs> could somehow get a million users and I could sell it for, you know, millions of dollars or get investors backing it. But... Uh, you know, we are furniture builders. Uh, th- this is, again, a capital-intensive uh, uh, business, um, labor-intensive, not, not just your average labor. I mean, you got to find highly skilled labor. And for whatever reason, we found that banks categorize us as um, the same as your standard you know, kitchen cabinet maker, which is probably one of the most volatile uh, professions or industries. Um, kind of really goes up and down with the market. And so from what I understand, they have a high high credit risk. And it doesn't matter how quickly our business is growing. It doesn't matter what kind of press we're getting. It doesn't matter what kind of uh, leadership we're providing within our industry or the growth that we're showing. Um, we're in that particular credit risk category. Are they right? Or are they wrong? They're just they're categorizing. You know, <laughs> they're right. They're they're absolutely right. We we just we're not the uh, we're not the standard though. I mean, we're we've carved a really solid niche for ourselves, and um, we seem to be leading the industry on a lot of different fronts. Um, but you know, you plug these numbers into your 
calculator and you plug in this credit risk rating and then you get a very black or white yes or no from the bank. Mm-hmm. You know, And there's certain other elements. I mean, like I said, we, we have a standard lead time of 12 weeks. I mean, right off the bat, you're talking about a 90-day accounts receivable is the standard on getting your final payment. So our accounts receivable over 90 days is huge. You know, the bank will call us and say, what is going on with your accounts? Do you have trouble collecting? That is not the – we have never not collected payment. I mean, there is no such thing as, as, as a bad order or, or bad accounts receivable with us. That's just the standard of the industry. It takes 12 weeks to produce it. I don't think, you know, the head of that Fortune 500 CEO, come, CEO is going gonna, is gonna to default on his final payment. He wants his dining table, you know? Right. So um, that in itself works against us. Um, and, you know, they see it as a cash flow issue, but, you know, we're profitable before we even get that final payment. In, in, in any small business, the early years, you're trying not to pay a lot of taxes, you know? And you, you go through the balance of working with your accountant to figure out, you know, what can we do to bring our annual tax down? Because, you know, I'd rather not pay 50 grand in taxes this year, you know, as a small business. And he'll say, okay, well, you know, let's put depreciation on this and that and, and, and see where we can save yourself some cash. And so you do that for four or five years, and then you realize suddenly, oh my God, with this, with this growth, we need a we need a huge line of credit, or you know, we want something to kind of help finance this. And you go back and you show your previous year's tax returns, and suddenly, you know, you're not the numbers don't look favorable for you. And so what we've been doing the past couple of years is showing steady growth and profitability, and paying more in tax so that we will be well-equipped to get a larger line of credit and get a better business loan. Some of the tools that we use? I mean, they're all industrial grade at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the tools that we use are kind of the classic woodworking tools, so not, not the automated machines and CNCs and, and uh, 3D printers that you see out there. Um, it, it's, it's handmade because, um, like I said, that's the stuff that... That's how Dan and I learned it. And... Again, coming from a place of authenticity and passion, it's an element that we did not want to give up in creating our brand and making our product. We didn't want to go up to a machine and push a button and out would come a new side table. It wasn't about that because you lose something. You lose the spirit of the product. Uh, when you pick up a, a hum and shank piece and you spin it around your hands, you can, you can trace those lines and you can see, you can visually see how one of our builders built it. You know, you can follow the line they took, you know, in in making this little carving or twisting this line or, you know, sanding this surface. And so there is a very true hands-on element that you can physically see and feel in our product. Um, So that, for the, on that virtue, we, we, we stuck with the classic woodworking uh, machines and tools in terms of uh, materials. You know, solid wood, we're very heavy with solid wood. Um, uh, again, that's how we were trained. Uh, there's certain woods that we stick with, um, American, North American black walnut, uh, white oak, uh, maple when we do lacquered finishes. Um, and, and then the only non-U.S. Uh, or, or American wood that we use is sapile. It's a cousin of mahogany, um, but it's not endangered. Uh, so it's been a really kind of beautiful wood to work with. Um, we try to be as sustainable as we can by, by staying away from the endangered woods. Um, 
But it's funny. Woodworkers and furniture builders are actually probably some of the most environmentally friendly people in the world because there is such a deep respect for the product that we're using. I mean, you you don't want to waste anything. I mean, we love this stuff. We appreciate this more than anybody. And there is like an emotional loss when you're wasting wood that we don't want to go down. Um, but people would argue that you're, you're making this table out of solid wood. This is a very unsustainable uh, uh, approach. But because of the way that we make it, I mean, this is meant to be the best furniture in the world, which means it is meant to last forever. The very fact that you can pass this table down multiple generations, it's going to be around a lot longer than you, and you're not replacing it in five years because it's broken, that in itself is sustainability. We are respecting this material. We're, we're, we're turning it into something that will be enjoyed and cherished forever. And so there is this enveloping feeling of, of a different kind of sustainability in that respect, if that makes any sense. I think that would be a great place to, to leave it today. All right, cool. Thank you, Eric, so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Hellmanchang.com, so uh, www.hellman, Dash Chang, C-H-A-N-G dot com. Uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Matt. That concludes part two of my interview with Eric. If you have comments or analysis on his business, please leave me a voicemail. My number is 646-779-1234. Finally, if you've made it this far, please share the episode, share the podcast. My website is dybpodcast.com. On Twitter, I have dybpodcast. And also my personal Twitter is at Matt Hartman. And again, you can always text or call me at 646-779-1234. Talk soon.